this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 2. I'm John DiCarlo, OwlScoop.com's editor. Declan Landis is with me, and we have a couple special guests that everybody I know is looking forward to hearing from. We'll get to them in just a second. Uh, later on in the podcast, Declan and I will give you a brief recap of what's happened with Temple's football team in the last week, including a scrimmage and seven players earning a single digit after Friday's vote and Monday's announcement. That's uh, linebacker Evandy Rigby, wide receiver Ian Stewart, running back Edward Sadie, quarterback EJ Warner, the reigning American Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year, tight end David Martin Robinson, safety Alex Odom, and right tackle Victor Stoffel. The Owls are now just 17 days away from their season opener against Akron at Lincoln Financial Field. But the highlight of today's episode will have more to do with basketball as we'll be talking to Temple's Hysir Miller and the Tough Fun Collective's Executive Director, Andy Carl. The Tough Fun and Temple's Rising Junior Point Guard are hosting the Hysir Fabe Miller Philly Point Guard Academy a week from today on Wednesday, August 23rd, up the street at Cristo Rey. And Heisier has also just released his first book, No Place Like Home, with the help of Doug Greco Wilson, a friend of the pod. So for as important as Heisier Miller is going to be on the court this year and Adam Fisher's first year uh, as Temple's head coach, we can truly say that the work he's doing off the court is just as important and impactful. So we're thrilled to have him and Andy on with us. You'll hear from them in just a minute. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash with someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. It's greenspans-law.com. As promised, Hysir Miller and Andy Carl in the, should we call this the alscoop.com? The studio. studio, yeah, home base with the with us here. What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for doing this. Hey, John, how are you? Thanks for having us. Thanks oh, for having us. No problem. No problem. We normally start off the pod by doing we do this thing that people actually have fun with, where it's like season nine, like episode two. So we'll come up with famous number twos. Will Cummings Done. came prepared. I love it. Who's uh, it? Famous, was, famous number two. What's the first number two that comes to your mind? Cavalry. There we go. Yeah, that's good. Good pick, Derek Jeter. I mean, he was one of the greatest shortstops of all time. So. Yeah, <laughs> overrated, but. I mean, when you think of number two, I think that, or maybe how about Jaleel White? Yeah. Jaleel White. There I was going to say Ja. Derek Jeter was mine. That's all I have. <laughs> I'm not very good at this game. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> little number, little numbers talk. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, Davis thanks, Webb. guys, for, for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. So, so like I said, a week from now, on Wednesday, August 23rd, uh, you're going to be hosting the Heiser Miller, uh, Heiser Miller's Philly Point Guard Academy in partnership with the Tough Fund up at Cristo Rey, 17th and Allegheny. Starts at 10 a.m. for children ages 7 to 10, and then the older group of 11 to 13-year-olds goes from 1 to 3 p.m. We've got so much cool stuff to get into with you guys. Again, really appreciate it. But just with to start us off, talk about how this all came together, how the planning's going, and maybe most importantly, just the, the mission behind it. The biggest thing for me in having a camp and being able to use my platform is to give back to the kids. And that's like, that's, that's just it, just giving them a platform, giving them a place to come in and get better. Um, it's only for two hours for each session, but I mean, you could accomplish a lot in two hours. So mm-hmm. that's the goal is just to give back and to let the kids have somewhere to just play and have fun and learn. 
What motivates you guys to do this? Because a lot of people, and I wanted to ask you about this on a couple of different fronts, a lot of people say they're going to do stuff to actually get it together. I mean, so many people say, I want to impact kids. I want to impact kids. You're a week away from doing it now in your own hometown. How special is that to you? And what really kind of made you like follow through with this? And for both of you guys, because there's not just, it's not just you get the camp together. There's planning that goes into it. What made you really say, I I really, really want to do this? Um, I spent a lot of time working um, in basketball camps since about like, you know, freshman year of high school. So this is something that I've been doing, just helping out other camps around the city, whether it's Newman, Garetti, whether it's Hoop Dreams, et cetera. Like, so... Just having the opportunity to have my own camp, that means the world to me. This is something I always wanted to do. And, and planning it, um, Andy's been a big part, just organizing, helping me get things together, um, just asking my vision and how I want to do it, and, and just helping what he can. So, And I think that's that, that's just the big part, like just us coming together and doing it. Andy, to bring you in on this, you started the Tough on with Chris Squirry and Seth Goldblum. You have two degrees from Temple, and to say you're a big Temple fan would be an understatement. We, we know that. I know something like this camp is part of what you really wanted to accomplish with the Tough Fund. Yes, collectives, one helps student-athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness, and it does help with not only with retention but recruiting. Uh, but for anyone who's new to this, I want to go back to square one for a second. I know this was discussed on the forum you were part of last week uh, with the athletic department. We'll get into that a little bit later. But for those who haven't heard it before, tell us what the Tough Fund is, what the mission is behind it, and what you guys can do and what you, you can't do as a collective. Sure. Uh, so the Tough Fund is a 501c3 charitable organization uh, with a mission to help in a, a couple different facets um, through initiatives for the greater Philadelphia community, particularly North Philadelphia, but greater Philadelphia area. And, and so our, our primary goal is, is uh, to provide different activities. Um, in the past, we've worked with um, folks that were homeless. And going back to your original question to High Seer is how did we kind of land on this? High Seer came to me and was really passionate about mm-hmm. about something like this. And so I, I look at the Tough Fund as a vehicle uh, for these charitable initiatives and for the passions of our student athletes. And he came to me with a vision and a plan. Um, and I could tell and you could tell just how he talks about how it, it's a dream for him to be able to do his own camp is, you know, not just for student athletes, but for, for Temple students in general, as an alum, um, I, I would, you know, I love being able to empower our students to, to follow their dreams. And, and so I, I envision the Tough Fun as just another vehicle for alumni to have this current students stand on our shoulders and, and build on, on what we've done as, as students and alumni at the university. And so our, our primary objective is to, to have charitable initiatives and through that empower our student athletes um, to utilize their name, image, and likeness, but to really make a profound and legitimate impact um, in the community. And, and that doesn't just mean in Philadelphia. If, if a student athlete is really passionate and they're from the Lehigh Valley or from Tennessee or from California, we, we try and, and be able to provide them the ability to, to make impacts um, in their community. There are some collectives out there and some programs that benefit from multiple collectives. That's something you said last week in the event that you were a part of. Um, some places we're seeing some insane dollar figures thrown around and some other places players aren't even getting what they were promised and it can be a little crazy. I know you guys have you know, short and long-term goals and you were very honest last week in terms of being what you said was woefully behind Temple's competitors and we'll get into that in a little bit. 
But is it satisfying to really start getting things off the ground like this that are that are service and impact oriented? In other words, just making good on that initial mission and those promises to carry out things like this because it, it's not like that everywhere. Like some people are getting taken advantage of, or some people are just saying to players, "Hey, uh, okay, just go take your money and like that's it." And there's no meaning behind it. Is is it satisfying to really start getting these initiatives out there that are working and you're and people are really seeing, oh, they really are about this? Yeah, it's it's. It's nice to see things to come to fruition. Uh, I get questions all the time about, you know, kind of what what the activities are, and uh, you know, our bandwidth is is only so much. But at the same time, you know, if if I uh, I personally take it upon myself to follow through on on anything that we promise, and, and like you said, I have heard horror stories from from across the country where you know student athletes are promised one thing and and they don't see it come to fruition, and so. Next week is going to be fun for me to be able to see that become a realization. And and I'm excited. I haven't shared this with Hyser yet, but we reached our, our 100th registration this morning. And so yes, we have you know, two full camps. And so I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I know when I was a student and an alum, whenever I got to interact with the community and, and give back, or heck, I was even a, a football coach at William Penn High School and just it gives you I forgot about yeah, that. <laughs> it gives you like a different perspective I forgot on, about that. on and, and it's one of the things that I talk about is, you know, I come from a very different background as High Seer and, and I understand the importance of his background and him being able to to speak about that and, and his path. If I say something like that to, you know, residents of Philadelphia, inner city kids, it doesn't resonate. But they can see that emulated through High Seer and I think it's much more impactful. And I think that is one of the reasons why we are, you know, an entity. It's because we recognize that our student athletes really do have a profound impact on on the, uh, the young kids, both in our city and, and kind of just generally in the area. And hi, Seer, you're the first player, the first Temple player that the Tough Fund has worked with, and you're already making such a big impact. I mean, Andy just mentioned it's your 100th registrant at camp, which is awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Andy and the rest of the people at Tough Fund, and, and what has that meant to you? My relationship with Andy has been great since um, the first day I met him um, at one of um, Temple's football games, just introduced himself. And this was even before the Tough Fund was a thing, just you know, learning about who he is and what he means to this university and just how much he, he values Temple. So, And our relationship has been great. I mean, since joining the Tough Fund, it's been um, numerous amount of support through um, everybody involved, um, great photos, um, great events, just a family, honestly, outside of basketball and through Temple. That's what the Tough Fund represents. And I believe everybody who's involved with it, my teammates, um, fellow athletes, that's, that's not basketball players that go to Temple. They, I'm sure they have a great relationship with Andy as well. And, you know, for both of you, another thing the Tough Fund did last year and uh, was Hoops for Hope, and they offer people in Philadelphia who are experiencing homelessness the opportunity to exercise, play basketball, have fun, and I know the team got involved with that as well. Can you talk to us about what that was like and not only how you impacted them, but how it impacted you as well? It was great, honestly. Um, of course, it was um, a different environment for us because we used to just being in gyms where, you know, guys are really talented or females are really talented, but just going in that gym and seeing um, – a lot of people who just are just a little less fortunate just come together through the game of basketball and just have fun, put all their worries to the side and just enjoy the moment. Then us being there, like I'm only what six foot six one, so you got guys like who who are recently here like Nick Jardine, Dame Dunn, 
um, Jamil Reynolds, those guys six seven, six nine, six five. So when those guys walked in the gym, they 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 just was shocked, just going crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it was great. Honestly, you just put so many smiles on their face. I mean, you make a couple shots, you encourage guys throughout the game, and just come together and ultimately try to win. And so when I first got in the gym, as I remember. Um, just encouraging guys, guys happy to see us, excited, wanting to play hard just because we there and just competing. So it was a great experience. And for me, the biggest thing I would take from that is just just being grateful every day for, for all the blessings we do have because a lot of times we might think about what we don't have and there's so much right in front of us. That's that's one thing I take from that experience. And Andy, would you mind telling us a little bit more about how that came about and how you got the team involved as well? Honestly, a little bit of luck. I was, I was trying to identify some some charitable initiatives in the city that were kind of around basketball and I was um on the Sixers Youth Partnership website and I you know there was just a bunch of different logos of of organizations that they partner with first one I clicked uh was Hoops for Hope and uh come to find out that they were uh, about to start a league uh an annual league that they had at a church at 19th and Diamond and so the synergy was uh immediately felt and I knew that we could partner, uh, reached out to them. The, the executive director, I believe, uh, uh, was, was immediately receptive. And, um, and yeah, it was a great several weeks. We had different student athletes go out and I had a chance to, to get there. And it was, it was great to just see just kind of everyone in a, in an environment that provided a sense of normalcy. And, you know, everyone came from different backgrounds, but everyone seemed to just get along under the game of basketball. And then it was also exciting because then we provided the opportunity to all of the, the members of the league that participated uh, with free tickets to a basketball game. And so then they, get to, they got to come out and reciprocate the, the passion and, um, and the experience at one of our men's uh, basketball games and, and show support to, to those student athletes. So um, it was really exciting. It was our first foray into something. It was eye-opening because I think, you know, I've, I've been at Temple since 2003 and as a student alum and employee and all of those things, and I had no idea that there was a basketball court there in this, I, I, honestly, like a really cool church and a really cool basketball court just kind of tucked away. And so uh, it was it was a, an exciting first foray into to charitable initiatives and a nice jumping off point. And I think there was a lot of synergy there that, that made a lot of sense. I see whether it's the the camp or the book, which we're excited to ask you about as well. There, there's a common theme with this, and it's that you really want to make an impact. And like I said before, a lot of people talk about it, and they're just words, and they don't really do anything about it. And you've done that, and I kind of want to get to the heart of where that comes from with you. I mean, we've talked to you a million times before. You've talked about you know Wilson Park, where you grew up in South Philly, what you saw, the good things, the bad things, everything in between. There are kids all over the place, that the city, suburbs, wherever, that, that, that make good choices, bad choices. You've been, I mean, other people I've talked to who have been around you, like, even before you came to Temple, like, he's just a different guy. He's just a different guy. He's motivated. He's awesome. He, he's just meaningful. Where does that come from? Because not everybody, like, most kids just aren't that emotionally mature. Where Tell us about, like, growing up, where that came from and how that shaped you. Because not everybody, I know you're kind of uncomfortable bragging about yourself, but not everybody's like that. For myself, I would say I met a, um, a handful of people who was just great to me during my uprising through basketball. Um, during AU, I met some great coaches um, that just showed me, like, a different way. Like, at times I would play AU all weekend, go to tournaments, and then I'll come back. And it'll be normal, but you just see it's like a difference. Like, you know, it's the, the basketball world and it's reality. So as I was maturing in the basketball world, you know, you start to see more, 
know, and you start to develop, and then it's like you got so many people that you come across who are not doing the same thing as you, who who don't get to get these experiences. And so as time goes on, I've realized that all the people I came across like helped me like develop mentally, develop physically to, to take another step and to overcome some things. So I just feel like where I'm at right now, I got a, um, a voice. I mean, I got a platform, and I just want to give back to the youth that's coming behind me because somebody did it for me. It was so many times in, in middle school and high school, and now God still helped me still in my corner to help sh make sure I'm still doing the right things, stay on track to be successful. And I feel like there's so many kids out there that just need somebody to help them or need an opportunity. Who knows what, what this basketball camp can provide? Mm -hmm. It might help a kid get connected to someone who might right. change their life, change their story, you know? So I feel like so many people just helped me along the way, whether that was on the court, off the court, in school, just staying on focus. And I feel like if we just had more people to get involved and just do small things, it, it'll help everybody collectively. But I'm here today because people made sacrifices for me to get here. I mean, if I want to, you know, continue this basketball thing and, and take it as far as I can, but, I mean, that, that won't be as – I won't get as much satisfaction unless I'm – paying it forward, unless I'm doing things to help people coming behind me. I mean, it's a fine line between balance, but you mm -hmm. also can help. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. the things that I'm doing now, I don't really take away from nothing I'm doing on the court. I do this in my free time. I still wake up every day and put my shots up, put my work in, and trying to get better. But you still can help other people because you got to be selfless. That's, mm -hmm. like, the biggest thing, being yeah. selfless. And, I mean, clearly, this is a special kid, right? Like, Hasir, uh, what makes Hasir, in your eyes, Andy, different from the other athletes that you work with in the Tough Fund? Well, I would say that all the, the athletes uh, that I've worked with are, are special in their own rights. I think one of the neat things about Hasir is um, from Philadelphia, and he does just have a maturity about him, um, uh, I could not imagine – doing some of the things, saying some of the things, being as selfless as he is at 20 years old? Yes. Yeah, 20 years old. And and so um, it's exciting. You know, I have I have three kids, and and so the parental thing kind of kicks in, and, and it's like you, you want the same things, the selflessness and seeing the bigger picture, and that's kind of what, what Fabe does. And, and so um, it's exciting to see him not just be a basketball player, not just be a student, but just kind of be a holistic, well-rounded student, which is, I think, what, as an alum, I want for all Temple students, right? Because ultimately, they're going to graduate, they're going to represent the T, and then, you know, that T represents me, so it's an investment, and, you know, you hope that it just, the brand grows and grows and grows, and guys like Heisier can can help do that, and so it's exciting, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch Heisier, because, I mean, I mean, I've known you now for two years, and um, so it's exciting to be able to give him opportunities and see him run with it and, and really flourish and hit a shot every once in a while. That's fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> I see with the book is called No Place Like Home. We have unfinished business. You can go to DelGrecoWilson.com, check out his site. Again, shout out to Dell, uh, the Black Cager and Black Cager Publications. I've ordered my copy. It's $25. It's money well spent. And again, beyond basketball, there is a mission behind the book. It, it, it takes a lot to wrap our heads around gun violence, gun violence epidemic. It's plaguing Philadelphia. It's plaguing the whole country. And it, it's a complex situation with no easy fixes. And again, for you as a as a college sophomore, take this on really speaks to your emotional maturity. Can you talk to us about how the book came together and what inspired it? 
Um, I was just, you know, thinking about just myself and my journey, how I got here, just all the things that I had to overcome. And more importantly, just thinking about where we're at in the city of Philadelphia, because um, the gun violence thing is, it's not like just in the streets anymore. It's like it's, it's carrying over to the basketball court. Yeah. I mean, it's carrying over to the schools. It's, it's, it's having a, a bigger impact than just affecting the people that's in the streets. So I feel like it's a, a major problem that, that should be addressed. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I got a platform um, to some capacity. And I feel like if I can continue to grow my platform and maybe this message could be seen by more people in the basketball world, in the basketball community, and not just in Philadelphia and other um, major cities that's experienced with similar problems, basketball is something we all gather around. So just using that platform to, to kind of push this message because it's got, it got to come to a point where we got to make a change because mm. there's too many kids that's coming behind us that's not necessarily even dying that's just going down the wrong paths. Mm -hmm. We got to find ways to, you know, bring solutions, bring things in front of these kids so they can have outlets because, I mean, if you just, if you're accustomed to seeing one thing all the time and you don't have no change, you're yeah. going to be, you're going to do what you say. So I feel like the book is, is tells my story, but it also tells some of my experiences because, you know, I'm just not talking about it. Like, I experienced some of these things with friends, family, like I can name 30 people that I know, like, that I've been here that's not here anymore. So just those experiences alone is, is devastating, but you got life life comes at you fast, so you got to keep going and you got to deal with it, but it's not it's not a normal thing. And, like, sometimes in Philadelphia, I mean, we try to normalize it. Like, a lot of people I know, like, I mean, you wake up, somebody gets shot. Yeah. It's just going about the yeah. day, but it's yeah. not supposed to be that way. No. Well, the incredible amount of credit goes to you for putting the book together. I'm really looking forward to reading it again. I would encourage everybody to pick up a copy. Uh, speaking of the book, Dell shared an excerpt from it. And getting back to basketball, you, of course, were one of the players who entered the transfer portal once Aaron McKee and Temple parted ways. And you were honest about the fact that you had options. Other programs offered you better NIL deals, cost of attendance stipends. Before we get to why you decided to stay, tell us what it was like out there in the portal. Like, who was recruiting you if you're open to sharing? What was it like out there? Um, I got um, a lot of offers from, from various schools, um, A-10, um, American, got some big East looks. Um, mm -hmm. Just a numerous amount of schools. But the, 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 more important, the most important piece for me is just um, – just wanting to be somewhere I felt comfortable. Um, I mean, I had a lot of came across a lot of good coaches in the transfer portal. That just was honest. I felt like, but it was just something about me making a decision before, like, before like Temple made a decision. Like I, I knew that I wanted to to wait and see who they hired. And I mean, you know, they go and tell you different things when you're in the transfer portal. Um, X amount of money, X amount of minutes, and what they got going on. But more importantly, you gotta you know go how you feel and make decisions for you. So I felt like after talking to Coach Fisher, like in 45 minutes to an hour after thinking about it, it was kind of like a no-brainer. And, I mean, along those lines, you've seen what's out there. You mentioned how many conferences, like teams from different conferences are looking at you. So in your recruitment, like talking to Coach Fish, talking to the Tough Fund, like how important was the Tough Fund in your decision? And, you know, what do people need to do to support it and, you know, other athletes that will look into it? I think the tough one definitely played um, a huge role in, in me coming back just because it, it helps you, you know, give you some type of support, some type of financial stability, I mean, off the court. But I think it was, it, it was, it was, it's bigger than just the tough one, even though that's a major portion because, I mean, it's NIL everywhere. I mean, 
they, 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 it's crazy numbers out there, honestly. But you gotta go somewhere where you feel like loved and trust, and where they love you, and where you could feel it at, and like somewhere that they want to elevate you, not just, I mean, financially, but elevate you as a person and make you better. And that's what stood out to me, not only with the tough one, but with Coach Fisher and and the staff. Like, I, I talked to um, Andy a lot as a recent, but it's just not about the money. It's about helping me develop as a person, helping my brand like develop, helping me become a better person. And the same with Coach Fisher. It's not just about, oh, come back, we'll get you this, this X amount of minutes. No, come back and we'll help you become a better leader, help you develop on the court, give you what you needed to, to, to keep going upward. And I feel like that was that was the biggest piece of, of everything, just knowing that like you're in a situation where God supports you and God's believing you and they're going to push you every day. And Andy, you kind of mentioned something similar in the forum last week, uh, talking about how Temple fans need to give back to the university that gave them so much. And you mentioned that the fundraising efforts for the Owl Club and the Tough Fund were woefully behind compared to programs across the country. For people who missed it, I want to ask you about that. Like, where are things now? What kind of feedback did you get in the days after the, the event? And, you know, what does the projection of the Tough Fund look like sitting here today? Yeah, so um, I would say that sitting here today, uh, we we are, I, and this is the quote that has kind of run everywhere, woefully behind, right? Where we stand both locally in our conference and nationally, um, I would say is significantly, uh, we have a significantly smaller pool of funding for our student-athletes than uh, our quote-unquote competition, comp set. On the record, uh, schools like Wichita State have a goal of $1.2 million over three years for their men's basketball program and have reached over $800,000. Um, Memphis's one charitable collective raised over $800,000 uh, in the fiscal year of 2022. We are nowhere close to that. Um, and, and I think that we owe it to our university, our athletic department, uh, and our student-athletes to, to take it much more seriously. NIL is not going away. Uh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. And the student-athletes deserve to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness, especially for initiatives um, like Hysera is undertaking. And so I, w- I, I hope that last week's seminar session was eye-opening for a lot of people. I think it was from the feedback that I received. I, I hope that it, there was a little bit of a call to action that we we do need to proceed and 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 to um, significantly increase our NIL space at, at the university and and that I hope that we do because I would say that we I, I don't think we can continue on the path that we are NIL wise and expect equal or better results on the court on the field on the pitch. Because we are being passed by by what our fans deem as lesser programs financially are not lesser programs. They, they even in the city, A10 programs in the city are, are providing significantly more NIL opportunities for their student athletes. And so um, if we expect to have better results than we have in the last one, two, five years, then we need to have better results in the NIL space. And it's no secret that the university's enrollment is down. 
think at, at our peak in about 2015 or 2016, there were 39,000 kids enrolled. We're less than 31,000 right now. You know, back in the 90s and 2000s, we evolved from a commuter campus to uh, a campus that had a thriving uh, on-campus atmosphere. What, what took place and transpired during those time periods? Well, we had a basketball program that was nat nationally thriving. 2015 and 2016, we saw enroll enrollment augment, and I don't think it's a coincidence that our, our football program participating uh, in college game day and beating uh, Penn State had a significant impact in enrollment. And so we've tried to do things the old way. Um, we've seen our enrollment go down. We've seen donations via the Owl Club go down. We've seen season ticket holders go down in both football and basketball. We've seen student engagement go down. We need to try something different. And, and how we do that is our NIL marketability affects the talent that we have coming in just like any other any other venture on campus if we have better opportunities for our music students better music students are going to attend temple university it's no different and so our nil programs are marketability opportunities to augment the success that we have on the court and when that takes place you'll start to see more season tickets sold more donations better enrollment and so being short-sighted by not realizing the value of nil on this campus will have long-term negative and adverse effects and so my hope is that that takes place fairly soon and i feel like that's a really nice segue into our first mailbag question uh the first one is a two-parter from one for andy one for hasir and it comes from the screen name tu owls fan 2004 so for Andy, how receptive have various levels of the university been toward NIL? Board, president's office, devel uh, development, OWL club, athletics compliance. Is it more apathy toward the issue, lack of knowledge, or even plain dislike of paying kids? I have not heard that it's plain dislike for paying kids. I, I think everyone in this space recognizes that student athletes bring a tremendous amount of value to the university. When I was a student in the sport management program, they didn't put me on ESPN 30 times a year. And so there is a value there. As a university, from my perspective, we have not taken the steps to take NIL seriously. From a very high level, we have, we have not been shown the level of, I don't know if it's respect, that most universities that take athletics seriously do across the country. We have been told that despite the, the, the legality of institutions being able to assist in fundraising for NIL, there has been a directive from the university that fundraising initiatives and resources um, cannot and will not be given towards NIL. And I can understand that there is a only a certain amount of funding that that is uh, available to universities um, but like I had mentioned previously we've tried structuring funding for for athletics one way for the last several years um, and we've seen the results that come of that I, I personally and why I'm still engaged and involved in this is because I believe that there is a need to evolve how we approach athletics at the university have I seen that urgency yet from from 
all aspects of campus? Absolutely not. I think our coaches understand it. Um, I think our athletic department to some extent understands it. Um, I think there is a tremendous amount of hesitancy uh, across campus on being active in the space, being proactive in the space, as opposed to being reactive in the space. And so um, I think it'll be really telling over the next several months if our university takes NIL seriously. Um, Because right now, um, I think part of the question was, do our board of trustees and other folks that can, can be actively engaged in it, have they participated? No, they haven't. Um, we have not seen any board of trustees members participate in NIL, both from a business or individual perspective, as opposed to uh, that being a large majority of the activity at universities across the country. And that's just the reality of it. Our former student athletes that um, you know were presented great opportunities to represent this university, we have one st- former student athlete that has donated to the Tough Fund. And so I think there's a there's a a point where we can beat the drum on education, but then we need to beat the drum on activity. And I think that's where we are at this point is we need activity. We need to be about that life. And so it's going to come a point where um, it's going to run its course one way or the other, where they're going to see folks step up, embrace it, understand it, or we're going to see it find kind of fall by the wayside. And, you know, I'm terrified of, of what that inactivity could lead to from a university and athletics perspective. And then the second part of that question for Hasir, do you think the tough funds focus on genuine community service based NIL would be an attractive thing for other players coming up with backgrounds similar to yours? I think the the tough funds approach, you know, to different different issues would be attractive to to all players because most basketball players, I mean, the ones in our locker room and the ones even from different backgrounds to me, I think every they they love to just give back and just help in any ways they can. Because most times as athletes, most people just, you know, expect us to dribble and shoot. And But, like, a lot of times we don't never, not never, but we don't always have a platform to, you know, show that we can do more, show that we can help in other aspects outside of basketball. So I think no matter no matter what the tough one asks us to do, whether that's helping, you know, in the, with homeless basketball games or, I mean, helping students move in, move into campus, whatever that task may be, I think, you know, everybody will be more than happy to, to be involved and just help. There's a couple more quick questions to close things out. And, guys, we really, really appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, there's one last mailbag question here. Sort of we've covered a little bit of this already, Fabe. Questions from the screen name Fig1. Uh, we already talked about this again, just in case you have anything else to add. Uh, his question is, fans are happy with your decision to stay at Temple, but curious what the main reasons were for you staying on North Broad Street. So I know you talked about that a little bit earlier, but anything else that you wanted to add to that question? I played here my last two years um, being a local kid. I mean, I feel like Temple just embraced me um, for who I am, my mistakes, my flaws, and just helped me grow on and off the court. And just that alone, I've been I've been extremely grateful to to represent, you know, with everything that this basketball program has done and still continues to do now. So, I just think it was more about you know staying home and and, and accomplishing something because, quite frankly, like I haven't really done anything on North Broad. Just me being honest, so I know it's a lot more things I can accomplish here. And honestly, I didn't. That's just not the type of person I am. Just you know, Coach McKee getting um, I mean, stepping away from the team and everybody else going their separate ways. I just feel like that just gave me more fuel to the fire to to come back and be greater. Honestly, there's just not too many people that decided to stay. So yeah. I feel like, why not? 
Yeah, to close things out with a couple of basketball questions, again, it wasn't too long we had you on the pod mm-hmm. and, you, and you gave us a great scouting report of the team. I think it's been several weeks since then. You've had more time to spend with the guys. We start hearing, hey, Jordan Riley looks pretty good. Zion Stanford looks like he could contribute. Just give us a quick sense of some guys that have stood out to you, just spending more time around them. What, what have you seen? Like just the two names you um you just brung up, Zion Stanford and um, Jordan Riley. Jordan Riley, he's been great. I mean, all the way through the summer. And Zion, just being a freshman, not really, like I said, like last podcast, not, you know, just not knowing exactly what he could bring to the table. Him just stepping up right away, being ready, being ready making big shots, strong physicality, rebounding, um, great defensively. But overall, like, I think we got a really good group. Everybody's bought in, you know, everybody's playing for one another. Um, everybody's trusting Coach Fisher and his vision for the team. And also trusting Coach Clark, you know, Coach Huger, Coach Jordan, Khalif Wyatt, Cam Warner. It's just like we all is one. Like everybody, you know, helps out when they can, and everybody pushes guys and holds guys accountable. So that's like the biggest portion, like that I notice mm-hmm. right now, just coming together. I mean, of course, you got Steve, you got Jalil. Mm-hmm. I think we got a lot of good pieces, you know, big Ama. It's a lot, a lot of things that's that's been going good. A lot of guys impressed me this summer. Sometimes basketball is just like about those moments, and somebody might say something in a film session. You might mm. be like, oh, this guy wouldn't have answered that question a couple of weeks ago. Or they might do something in practice. Or they might surprise you by being 15 minutes early to a workout. Anybody who's like starting to turn the corner where really you're like, all right, this guy's starting to get it. Or even just by a little thing here and there you might see where you're like, this guy's a little different than he was even a month or two months or last season. I'll say the, big, the guy that, that turned my head like that has this summer has been Taj. Taj mm-hmm. Tweet. Mm-hmm. He's just um, – he just made made it made great leaps since even since last year, just not being able to play, sitting out, but just being on a practice squad, helping out where he can, you know, being around the team, just seeing his growth since um the new staff got here and seeing his development throughout the summer, just him, you know, having a ball in his hands, you know, because at the top of the key, making passes, mm-hmm. um, dribble handoffs, making threes, and just all the things he brings to our team, that's all a bonus. His greatest attribute is his energy. Because he'll get everyone fired up. And, mm-hmm. and that's, like, the best thing he brings to the team because everything else is a plus for him. Rebounding, um, defensively, the things that he brings, making shots. But he got he has great energy, been very coachable, pushing guys. They're also holding guys accountable. It was mm-hmm. one play in practice, and, you know, I was a little upset that we lost the drill. Um, Might have been getting some water, and guys was trying to move on to the next thing. But I was dragging my feet, and he like, yo, come on, mm-hmm. let's go. Like, I just told him yesterday, let's pick it up. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. And he picked me right up, so it's like get to the next drill. Mm-hmm. I probably wasn't the happiest just because I wanted to mm-hmm. take my get my drink, but <laughs> I def he definitely been taking some big steps. Well, good stuff. I know you guys both have places to be. Really, really appreciate the the time that you spent with us. I see. Congratulations on the camp, the book, all the great things you're doing, Andy. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Thanks for spending time with us, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Well, thank Sounds you good. guys for having us. Thank appreciate you, you guys. Right, big thank you to the Tough Ones Executive Director, Andy Carl, and, of course, Temple's point guard, Hysir Miller. Really cool stuff. I think one of the things that really sticks with me with Hysir with is just a lot of players talk about wanting to impact the community or the importance of it. He is actually tangibly doing stuff. And you know, between the camp that's coming up, between his book, which I'm really looking forward to, to reading, that was just really enjoyable. I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, and the ability to just take his life experience and, and want to make other people's lives better. I mean, that's very selfless. It's an incredible mission. And, you know, tough fun giving them a platform to be able to do that is is incredible, too. And, you know, it goes beyond just to see her. 
you know, working with other athletes like Andy said he wanted to do. So it's a really cool initiative, and, and I'm glad that he was able to come on and, and share that and go check out his book. You know what else is really cool? What's that? How about that for a segue? A great segue. We are now joined for the rest of the podcast by Ramir Vaughn and Johnny Zawislak. Wow. <laughs> yes. Back from Make the depths of Citizens Bank Park. That's right. Johnny, is it your fault that the Phillies lost a few games in a row here? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, uh, they're 10 games over 500 when they're at home, and that's that's when I'm there. So Fair point. I, I feel like I've been a pretty good luck charm for them so far. Now, when they're on the road, do you go back to watching them on TV and pitching at home, or are you out of that now? No, I don't, I don't really do that <laughs> anymore. Because it's, it's hard to, like, I'll still watch them and keep up with them, but, like, I kind of associate that with work now, mm-hmm. like, just watching them. So, so when you're when you're in it like I am, it's just no longer fun. It's no, job. that's I mean, see, I, that's definitely that's definitely how it comes across. But like, uh, like sometimes it's better if I just um, sometimes it's better if I just you know watch them through notifications instead of watch the whole game. It's hard for me to sit down and watch the whole game. <laughs> for for listeners could see, Teclan just grabbed your arm. It's really off. Good audio. Moved, I'm mo- trying to get moved, good audio. Moved the mic away from your I'm mouth. I'm trying to get good audio. It looked like it looked like a father correcting his son at the dinner table. Yeah. It was great. It's called being a producer. You know, yeah. you got to do the hard stuff. You're, you're a good producer, Dad. Thank you. It, yeah. just, it, 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 it threw me off there for a second. So I was like, oh, no, did I do something wrong? No, but you're great. You're oh, doing yeah. great. But Welcome back. Thank you. A little, little rust. Little rust. Little rust. We're, we're here, good. What's up? Man, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. It has been a long day. Yeah. yeah. No long day. I'm feeling good, though. Feeling but we're all good. here together now. It's what's most important. Yeah, yes. that's what's important. Yes. yes. Or well, maybe it's not important to you guys. I don't know. It is no, important. It is. I think we all, we all just agreed with you. We said yeah, that. Yeah. Good job. Your insecurities are. I know, I know. I got to see somebody about that. Man, anyway. I wonder if you had sent that in a text, you know. It's like if you'd replied two days later that. Oh, when you said, are we not friends? <laughs> we, we already hashed that out last week. You're still not over that? No, I mean, I'll get over it someday. <laughs> just not today. After I'm <laughs> Just not today. No, not today. Definitely Wounds not are today. still fresh. <laughs> we do have uh, some football to talk about, uh, a few mailbag questions to get to. It was uh, more women's basketball recruiting news. Diane Richardson continues to recruit well. Her fourth verbal commitment is, I believe, it's Kelly Ansidano from Putnam Science Academy up in Connecticut. She committed to Temple. So, again, fourth verbal from the 2024 class. She chose Temple over offers from UMass, Fordham, and Clemson. And they're also in the top 10 for a five-star recruit, ESPN's 17th-ranked player in the 2024 class. She's point guard, Kaomi Miller. First, I could, you said first women's player to sign an NIL deal with Jordan Brand? Uh, yes, first high school athlete. First high school athlete. So she plays uh, not far from here at Life Center Academy in Burlington, New Jersey. Has Temple in her top 10. <laughs> Even if Temple doesn't get her, that's a big deal. That's recruiting-wise, and again, Diane will be the first to tell you they've got a long way to go. She has to reshape the roster, but she's definitely making an impact on the recruiting trail. Yeah, so. no doubt about it. And, I mean, we had talked about it off-air, but, like, that's one of the reasons that she was brought to Temple. Like, the Towson program that she built, her connections in the DMV, the way she recruits, the way that she drives people into her program, it's unbelievable. And now we're starting to see that here. In terms of football, all right, since we last recorded – Seven more single digits, like I said at the outset of the show. Evandy Rigby will wear zero now. Wide receiver Ian Stewart will wear number one. Ed Sadie will wear number two. EJ Warner is going to wear number three. David Martin Robinson will wear, f- he's five, right? He is yes. five. Yes. He's he's five. five. Right. Yeah. Uh, Alex Odom was wearing eight. 
Victor Stoffel will wear number four in practice, but they still have two spots left because Jordan McGee is wearing six, Jalen McMurray is wearing seven. So they could get somebody to wear nine and four. So Victor Stoffel could get his four in practice, and number nine is still open. So I think some of these, I think any of these names, I would say you get any surprises or guys who are like, oh, okay. I mean, I think we talked about EJ thought about that ed sadie's name was coming up again i don't think you'd look at any of these names to be shocked but is there any name of this group that that surprises you i guess maybe alex odom Mm -hmm. which was a really cool surprise i think for him you know being in that safeties unit we've heard that he was somebody that drives people in practices and whatnot but that's not a name that we talked about last week mir so i think that was the one that jumps off the page at me i would have to say ian stewart but after listening to jafar williams talk about his name right yeah I understand why he got mm-hmm. his single digit. But like I said, after listening to Jafar, it makes sense. Yeah, earlier this week, he said, I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing. He said, to be honest with you, he's been like that since he's been here in terms of the leadership and being a vocal leader. So two more spots available there. Again, we did get David Martin Robinson. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Yes, we got yeah. him yesterday. So we've had the chance to talk to, if you read Declan's story, his camp notebook from a couple of days ago, David Martin Robinson, Darvon Hubbard, uh, they talked about, David Martin Robinson talked about getting a single digit, Darvon Hubbard talked a little bit more about the running back room, and then if you read Rymer's story, it gives you a little bit more insight into what the rotation could look like. Tyree Foreman talked uh, this week about his running backs, and you guys have obviously been full-blown members of the Kyle Williams fan club. Not to say that he couldn't get some carries this year. I think, obviously, they recruit these guys for a reason. But I would say that that Tyree, I don't want to say he went out of his way to talk about Darvon Hubbard, but he did talk heavily about Darvon Hubbard and E.J. Wilson. It was kind of a reminder of, like, you know what? These guys do have more experience. He went out of his way to say that E.J. Wilson had a very, like, a darn good scrimmage on Saturday or something like that. So still could be a situation where he comes in and says, look, I like what I have in Darvon Hubbard. Maybe he just wasn't coach properly. I can get more out of him. I can get something out of EJ Wilson. So interesting stuff there on the running back room. We do have some mailbag questions to get to here to close things out. One of them is a funny question from our good friend, Greg Payone, a former alscoop.com staff member. We'll, we'll, we'll close out the pod. Yes. With that one, since it's a, uh, Royal Rumble wrestling question, I'll let you guys take the lead on that one. Cause Ooh, I haven't, yes. you know, I don't think I've you. watched wrestling since the 90s well yeah we were talking about it the other day and and your knowledge is a little outdated which is fine. a little <laughs> just <laughs> you guys heard Yikes. of uh you guys heard of <laughs> nope, the let's not junkyard dog <laughs> <laughs> andre the giant man, man this guy bruno see. san martino man he could really wow. go <laughs> he's a new kid on the streets he's, uh, he's the next big thing in wrestling now i haven't watched wrestling in a long time and but that's okay you should though you should you I should, should. Yeah, it's a good should. time you guys it heard is. it might be fake <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. It is? <laughs> I, really, I, really got, everybody, I really got Declan for whatever reason. I did not expect that joke to land. Everybody that says it, like, that are, that's like, don't watch, I, I don't watch wrestling, it's stupid. I'd be like, why? And they go, well, you know it's fake, right? No. It's like, wait, are you telling me that that movies aren't fake? Mm-hmm. Well, wait, really? <laughs> these are documentaries? Barbie was a documentary? It's just stupid to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny's, Johnny's frustrated. I'm frustrated. Our rhythm, our rhythm is off, and I blame Johnny. <laughs> what? what? I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. I love you. So we'll, f- we'll finish off with Greg's wrestling question. We'll get to that in a second. A couple other ones here from the message boards. The first one from the screen named Malenko. 
Two-part question. Number one, what are you hearing in regards to the AAC slash PAC realignment? I don't know, Malenko, if you're following that one Oregon State fan Twitter account, which I'm assuming it is, that talks about just that, like this alignment between the American Athletic Conference and the Pac-12 with divisions looks like wishful thinking from a fan who's trying to get some traction. No reputable source worth their weight has confirmed that. Sure, it would be intriguing for Temple, but I would be utterly shocked if there is any truth to that. So I have heard nothing reputable about a realignment or union between those two conferences. The second question here, will Temple be left behind in an even further depleted American Athletic Conference? I don't know. I, obviously, if SMU leaves, sure, it's not good for the American. They, they've gotten, but they've always produced good football players. They've had, they've been at the top half of the league in football. They've had their moments in basketball and Larry Brown's been there. They've had some good teams. So sure, if they lose SMU, yeah, not a great thing. Mike Jensen, and I honestly have not had the chance to read his piece yet. I literally just glanced at the headline, and I think the deck before we started recording, where he he wrote something on conference realignment today, and I should not even be mentioning if I hadn't <laughs> haven't read it yet. But he, uh, I think the crux of his story is like Temple needs to hope for more chaos and then find find a place to land. But I don't know. I, I again, I said this last week. I haven't heard anything credible from sources that I typically trust about Temple being in the mix in terms of any steps up in conference realignment right now. But again, I just never expected a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, that this this whole thing would just get blown up as much as it has. So sure, again, if the American loses a couple more teams, no, it's not a good thing for Temple. But things are so scrambled right now, I don't even know what end is up at this point. But the, the, the American Athletic Conference Pac-12 alignment be – a cool concept, but no, nobody, I, a lot of people I trust looked at that and said, yeah, that's uh, until further review. That's just a fan mm -hmm. posting that. So sorry to burst the bubble there. Next question comes from the screen name Al 79 It's a little bit late, John. Well, Al 79 we got your question in, so no worries. We're a little bit more than two weeks from the opener. Haven't heard much about the kicking, the kicking and return game, which is crucial to the success of this ball club and special teams in general. Camden Price is the place kicker, Dante Atten. Uh, the kicker from Australia, the punter from Australia, is the punter in terms of the return game. I mean, I think they've got a few options there. Dante Wright talked about it the other day, uh, the Colorado State transfer. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk to – I think we're talking to Adam Shire next week, right? I think so. Uh, so Monday? I think we'll get a chance to talk to him more about – let's look at the schedule. Class are, oh, no, no, sorry. Adam Shire was back on August 3rd, so we are not getting Adam Shire. Oh, my yeah, fault, right. my fault. So, you know, I mean, well, we can talk to Stan again next week when we get him again and ask him more about special teams. But, I mean, in terms of kicking and punting, I think your starters are entrenched there. We'll just have to see. They haven't, to be clear, they haven't released a depth chart yet, but Dante Wright would make sense. He's fast, not the only fast player on the team, but we'll ask Stan more about the return game. But I, I bring up Dante Wright because he talked about that a little bit this week. So... Yes, special teams are critical to the success. We, we, I think there was a little bit of talk this week about, again, I think you'll see some of the starters playing on teams, you know, and coverage teams and stuff. So I wouldn't be totally shocked to see a couple of single-digit guys out there. Again, if you're a longtime Temple fan, you know how miserably inefficient special teams were under Rod Carey. You know, I think that they'll play some of their more experienced players on, on kick and punt coverage, but we can ask them a little bit more about return specialists next time we talk to them. But again, in terms of the kicker and punter, I think that's fairly entrenched unless I'm missing anything Any, anything you guys would want to weigh in on there uh the only thing I can think of is that we've heard since the spring that Quincy Patterson has been getting reps on special teams but I mm -hmm. don't think that's a kick return or anything 
crazy like that. Um, and then I think somebody talked about it uh, either last week or the week before that he was still getting reps. I just don't know where. But I think Dante Wright taking kick and punt returns makes all the sense in the world. Everything we've heard about him is that he's fast. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes sense to me. I guess the only other thing I would add in is that Chris Van Acker and the Purdue transfer might end up being would be the the kickoff specialist. We did see him try a field goal late in what was that Friday's practice where we got to see the last 20 minutes or so. Yes. Losing track of the days now. I think they had him try something close to a 50 yarder and I think he missed short to the right to the right. So again, I think it's Camden Price handling field goals, Dante Atten putting and then Chris Van Eckeren. Again, we'll see uh, handling kickoff duties, Dante Wright. I'm sure there'll be some other guys in the mix in the return game. Obviously, in terms of the punt return game, obviously Ahmad Anderson had his issues with ball security. He is dynamic. He's fairly fast. He did play better toward the tail end of the season. So we'll see if they still have him in the mix in terms of uh, in terms of the return game. But in terms of special teams, again, I, I, I think that they have most of their – specialists align there but again we can of course like i said talk to sandra and the next time we get him and ask him more about special teams for you all right here's the last question from greg payo and again greg is a good friend of al scoop good friend of mine and kyle's work with us greg i can't remember how long it's been six seven years back maybe more anyway thank you for the twitter mailbag question so this is greg's off the beaten path funny mailbag question great here. question his question we're all allowed to pick one current or former temple athlete to represent us in a Royal Rumble match for Al Scoop supremacy. Who do you pick to represent you in order to be named Imperial King of Al Scoop? I'll start. I select Freddie Booth Lloyd, size, speed, and agility. I'll go last because you guys probably have. Yes, I have probably the answer. And oh, it's, Kevin, it's Kevin Robertson, who is literally <laughs> training to be a professional wrestler That's right fair. now in NXT. Yeah. Kevin Robertson is learning how to be anybody that you guys pick so sorry about it i am what is it imperial king of imperial al-scoop. king of al-scoop. <laughs> yeah king. sorry about it well but are we going for who has the technique and like the wwe well, skills see, or the, like, anything can happen in a royal rumble exactly you just got to get the other person over the top rope and yeah. two feet on the floor two feet on the floor over yep. the top rope i just think that kevin robertson he's already getting experience in it That's he could fair. be in the next royal rumble for all we know go ahead That's very true yeah give your answer Oh, I'm still thinking of my answer because it's it is you, a former cur- current Temple ath- athlete, so it doesn't even have to be football, right? That's true. I got my answer. Go what ahead. Your answer. I am picking pot roast Terrence Knight. And I don't. Oh, that's good. I don't that's think anyone will be able to lift him up <laughs> and yeah. place him over mm-hmm. the top rope. So by default, it's he will answer. win. It's a good answer, John. You want to buck the trend here and pick a basketball player? I was thinking. I was. I was thinking of. See, I. I feel like a like a. I think Jamil Reynolds, like he's got mm. he's got the size, he's got like that, and he's gotten uh, stronger he's, over the off season. Too. He's gotten stronger over the off season, and he's like he had that post presence down low in the paint. I feel like he could have that presence in the ring. You know, like don't mess with him. You're not gonna like if you try to put him over the top rope, he's just gonna pick you up and throw you back over. It's a good answer. I'm gonna cheat. and I'm gonna give you two. Okay. Well, okay. Even though Greg clearly said one, uh, I, think my was, yeah, I mean you're disqualified. Well, I mean, but it's I, fine. I, th- I think it's <laughs> because you have the you have the lesser WWE knowledge, so we'll give you the benefit yeah. of the doubt. I mean, you two chances to call me. I mean, new chance. Wait, I don't think those words. That's not. I said you have 
less WWE just knowledge. Call me that. stupid. That's <laughs> I don't think there's things to do with Johnny. Is I'm clearly teasing. He's like, I, I never said that. Oh, <laughs> never said that. Oh, I just you're went an down idiot. The record. I never said that. I never I'm said sorry. it. I missed you. You could tell I'm pouncing. I'm, yeah. I missed you. Uh, I would go with for football, Muhammad Wilkerson, who had a pretty good NFL career before he stopped playing. He was a big, big, big dude. Big I, I do remember fairly early on in his career, he was. We had just. We had just talked to Al Golden, and it was before Mo really broke out. And he was like, he he walked by, he's like, that guy right there, he's got a chance. He's like, if he just puts it together, that's why we recruited him. He was big. I would even say him for football. And again, there are a lot of different football players you could mention. There's one other one, and I think he would be a great wrestling character. So now I'm cheating. I'm going to mention three names. Tyler Matakavich would be fun. Oh, he'd be so good. Just because be he's, he's, he's got the smile, he's got the red hair. I could yes. see him just like being like people's champion. Like, just see, like, I could see him as a heel though too. I could see mm-hmm. him cutting out, coming out and cutting a you people promo. You <laughs> yeah. know, you, you know, you people didn't respect me. Then yeah. he knock everybody over the top rope. I could see that too. Yeah, he's got a lot of personality. You see now, now I'm second guessing my answer. I came up like with the, another one as we were talking too. Like who, who is it? Hassan Reddick. Literally oh, spears yeah. people for a living. Yeah. I think he could Well, are we well, he, he would have like a damage. sinister smile though. He's also super athletic. His story's been told a million times. He was he was hurt most of his high school career. Really insane athlete. I remember Adam DeMichael, I remember Matt Rule telling me like they would say we just see him in practice. He just starts doing cartwheels and backflips and stuff. We're like, wow, like he's insanely, insanely athletic. So I could see him being athletic in the ring. Mm-hmm. So I could see Reddick, but yeah. I could also see him just having this smile. Like he'd be like the too cool for school. Oh yeah, but I mean, some those are the best wrestlers. Yeah. most of the time. Johnny, what were you gonna say? No, I, I think I look. I'm. I, this is definitely not like someone I think would absolutely win the Royal Rumble, but like Caleb Battle would be a like. Crazy on the mic, high flyer, <laughs> like WWE guy. Like he, like he's a he'd be a, he's a high flyer. Uh, you don't you don't know what he's no, gonna he's say on the, the mic. He definitely has the personality. He yeah. has the personality for it. I'm not saying I I, I prefaced it with he's not gonna win the Royal Rumble. Okay, but well, that's the whole point. How are you gonna be Imperial King of Owl Scoop? But I'm I said he'd be an interesting pick. Oh, okay. Because I, I just like for a guy with a WWE persona, that's I feel valid. like okay. he has that. Like because I feel like. Now I'm just thinking of WWE personas, not even guys that would win the Royal Rumble. That's valid. Uh, for basketball, I've got two thoughts. And one is probably going to be a little unfair because he never asked for this role. Nehemiah Ingram, you guys are too young to remember Goongate, where, <laughs> yes. where John Chaney was upset because he thought Phil Martelli and St. Joe's were setting illegal screens. So he said in Nehemiah Ingram, who was about 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, Nehemiah yes. Ingram actually did play a little bit of football. They did tried he? him at offensive tackle, yes. Um, uh, Nehemiah was. Yes, Nehemiah was otherwise a very, very wow. sweet and kind guy. Yeah. But, yeah, he was sent in to commit a hard foul, and he did. And he was unfortunately known for that. I mean, he was a role player off the bench, but kind of unfair that I'm typecasting him in that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But considering he did go in and, and commit a hard foul on John Bryant, maybe he fits there. And Quincy Wadley, I think, would be great. Now, he was a guard, but he was the best crap talker. Kyle swears a lot on the pod. I'll, I'll try to edit myself back. Quincy could talk more smack on anybody and this was like before like you could readily find stuff on google he would find ways to know stuff about his opponent and would just shout it in their ear when he was guarding them quincy wildly i think would be would be great i respect the heck out of that you know i i maybe there are people like that maybe aren't winning the royal rumble for you but they'll get in your head and you might eliminate yourself you know like that's that's just how it is i love people like that too good picks i think we should do it i think we should make like a 2k version 
of all of these people. And see who wins. Like create a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. we could do it on like, your yeah, Xbox. On Xbox. We'll bring it in day. into the, the home base. Uh-huh. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see who wins. <laughs> I feel like that'd be an electric time. Yes. All right, before we end the pod here, how did you guys get into wrestling? Because I didn't even know. I didn't have any concept of how popular it still is. Mm-hmm. What, did you guys just watch it growing up? Or was it more than something well, you got Your story is cooler than mine. Is it? I think so. Are you going to tell us that you were yours a is like wholesome. at one point? <laughs> no, oh, yours is no. wholesome. So I used to watch wrestling with my dad back in the day before he passed away. So oh. like wrestling was every night, every Monday, every Friday. Every wow. Me and him would just sit on the couch and watch uh, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, and, and maybe an occasional pay-per-view. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's very wholesome. That's it's, nice. Yes. I don't, I don't remember how you got into it. So I, I would, I, I'm kind of the same thing. I would watch with my dad all the time. Mm-hmm. We'd watch Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown. Like I'd even like, we'd like pretend to like do our own like wrestling match too. This is back <laughs> when I was like six or seven. Yes. No, my brother and I would pretend to wrestle. I remember my mom coming upstairs and I was lit, standing on my dresser <laughs> about <laughs> the <Swanton> <laughs> my <laughs> brother. What's that? The Jonton Bob. <laughs> <laughs> My mom comes up. She's like, you're either, I'm giving you three seconds to get off that damn dresser. You're going to be grounded. I was like, understood. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, I, I would pretend to wrestle with my dad. And then I kind of got away from it kind of like around 2015, 2016. And then last semester here, uh, well, I guess it was first semester. I started watching again with Declan, Ramirez, and a couple other people and kind of, and uh, Max Denenberg as well. Denny's a big wrestling Denny, Denny's, yeah. a, Denny's a big wrestling re- Like yeah. I started watching with them again before, I think it was Royal Rumble last year. I started watching it again. Mm-hmm. And then we all did like a WrestleMania watch party. And ever since then, I've just kind of kept up with it. I like, like the question, Greg. Appreciate it. Great question. Well, that, that'll do it for this week. Again, big thank you to Hysir Miller and Andy Carl for joining us. Ramir, Johnny, thanks for stopping by and hanging oh, out. Declan. Thank you. Thank you for just... You know, just, just being you. Oh, John, thanks thanks for, as always, having gonna, us in here. I'm just going to try to zing you with a show. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got swipe in... access to this room. Oh, good luck. Yo, boy. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> All right, thanks again for joining us for another episode. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.